Well, I want to talk to you about somebody in the Bible who is nameless, but he has leprosy. It's the leprous man. You know, as we have serve week coming up at the first week of August, I wanted to bring an evangelistic message because I don't want you to just see it as task or, or, or opportunities to, to just go out and do any type of manual labor or anything like that. I want you to understand that this is local missions. Why do we even do this? Obviously, I don't have to tell you that the world is hurting. The world is desperately sick. The world is sitting in the muck of mire and and discouragement and uh, absolute hopelessness. You know, the Bible is filled with people who were in these same situations. They were discouraged, but their lives also encourage us. Their lives inspire us. I want you to see yourself in these Bible stories, but I also want you to see your neighbors in these stories. You know people who are dealing with many of the stories or, or their lives line up with many of the people in the Bible, in, in the, the biblical narratives, you know, that we read accounts of people. And I want you to understand, these are real people. These things really happen. They, they have emotions. They have insecurities. They deal with fear, right? They've shed many tears. They have families. They have childhood memories. They have minds. They have wills. They have emotions. They have wounds. They have dealt with traumas in their lives. They put on clothes like we do. They interact with people like we do. They cry like us. They fear like us. So I want you to understand that these people in the Bible are real people that you and I will see one day face to face on the streets of gold. And we will no doubt come in contact with people that are discouraged. This is not just during serve week, but at your job, you see people that are discouraged. Your neighbors might be discouraged. The Bible tells us to take care of widows. The Bible tells us to love our neighbor. And as we embark on serve week, it's a great opportunity to be part of missions. In the community, we will come across many people that are struggling in their faith. You will come across people that are no doubt on fire for God. You will come to to people that know nothing of God. The goal is to reach out to people. Listen, this is why the church wakes up in the morning, to get out and do the work of God. I want to give you a story. I was went to visit a dear lady uh, whose name was uh, there for pressure washing. And as I was talking with her, she, uh, you know, she's 97 years old. She had a variety of things that was in need. Uh, she asked if we could take the screen off of her windows and Windex them. She showed me the Windex. You know, it was a very sweet moment. I said, yes, we can, we can do that. What about your house? Does it need pressure washing? She was like, oh, really? Do you, you think you could do that? I was like, yes, ma'am, we can do that. And what about your grass? Your grass is very tall. Maybe we can take care of that as well. And she was just overwhelmed. And then I began to tell her, you know, uh, that we're just here as an outreach into the community. And she was like, well, I'm not of your faith. Is that okay? I'm like, it doesn't bother me if it doesn't bother you. But then I, I started to talk to her and I asked her about herself. And she's 97. Her husband is long gone. She lost her daughter. And the son that she has, they're not talking because he's made some poor decisions and he's distanced himself from her. And she just began to ask, would you mind praying for my son? And so we prayed for God to reconcile that relationship. 
It was yesterday I got a call that she had fell and broke uh, her ribs and hurt her back, and she was going to be in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And I just thought that that was such a good time of God connecting. Remember, she doesn't come to our church or anything like that, but she reached out to us because we reached out to her. That's the type of things that those connections that God can make. Amen? So I want to help cast vision of why we even do what we do. The man that we're going to talk about has a physical condition, but it also translates into a spiritual condition that we have dealt with on our, in our own lives. You see, I don't want you to think that the lost are just some bad people out there. They are, by our standards, considered good people, but they're still lost, right? We're either sheep or goats, wheat or tares. We're either going to heaven or we're going to hell when we slip into eternity. There's no middle ground. So when you reach out to people in whatever aspect that they are in, these are the people that you are coming across. And the goal is to give them life. The goal is to show them Christ. The goal is to encourage them, to let them know that Jesus cares for them. This is the church's finest hour, to be the presence of light in a dark world. Do you see our, our world is getting darker and darker? Every week you see this over television. Now, we may not have been born with leprosy, but we were born into something way worse, and that's sin. You know, many of us here are cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus, but maybe some are not. So let me lay some groundwork. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 here. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the sons of Israel that they sent away from the camp every leper and everyone having a discharge and everyone who is unclean because of a dead person. You shall send them away, both male and female. You shall send them outside the camp so they will not defile their camp where I dwell in their midst. And the sons of Israel did so and sent them outside. Just as the Lord had spoken to Moses, thus the sons of Israel did. Now, let me ask you a question. What if this was your wife, your child, your husband that contracted leprosy? Are we okay with our family and our friends being sent away from us? Because this will happen on the very last day, on the final day. We will be separated from loved ones. We will be separated from friends. We may even be separated from our children for all of eternity. I want you to understand this is serious business in the kingdom of God. God was teaching them that he cannot inhabit defilement, but he was also teaching a, a very true lesson. Remember, there was no medicinal avenues during this time, so God was trying to allow people not to be contracted with leprosy. But it's also like religion. Religion gives you a list of, of words and works that you, you are to do, but it's much like WebMD. It gives you no answer, right? And mo most people that we come in, in contact with are steeped in religion, not so much relationship. I want to turn your attention to the text tonight in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. This is what it says. And the leper came to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And look what it says. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And the le immediately 
the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. See, we see an Old Testament disease, leprosy, all the way into the New Testament. It was the most dreaded disease known to man of that day. The result was a slow and painful death. The disease begins generally in a certain part of the body, and then numbness, numbness would follow. Soon the skin would get spots and lose its original color, and it would get thick and glossy and scaly. And as the sickness would progress, soon the skin would begin to lose its original color. And then poor blood supply would flow to that area. And the skin around the eyes and the ears would begin to form deep furrows to where the person would look like that of a lion. As the body would begin to decay, the pain would lead to to nerve damage. And that nerve damage would go to a numbness. And eventually their nose or their fingers would just fall off. Think about this. The nervous system would signal that there is no such thing as pain. And that, and then the body would lose all its sense of, of what it was created to do. And then body parts, think about this, could literally be rubbed off. And if your toes fell off, you were no able, no longer able to walk. By this time, you could see the pitifulness of this leper. Then he would give off an odor. His larynx would become very rugged, and it would be hard for him to talk. Think about this. Not only can you see it, but now you can hear this disease. Listen, the the soul has something called leprosy, which is sin. And sin begins to decay the body. It decays the soul. Leprosy affects the entire body, just like it affects the core of a human being. Remember, leprosy hinders someone to see clearly, just like sin. Leprosy causes numbness to righteousness. You, you can get so seared in your mind that you no longer have the ability to mourn over sin. It, leprosy is an unpleasant odor, just like sin. It repels people from you. Leprosy affects the speech, just as sin does, right? There are so many parallels that leprosy does just as sin does. It's visible for all to see. And leprosy could not be cured by humans. Only Jesus could. So let's look at the text. Point number one, look at what happened. The leper came, Mark 140. The leper came to him. Now I want you to notice that he pushed through the crowd of followers. There were followers of Jesus following him. So this is like it is in church, right? You have a bunch of church people, but sometimes you need to cut through the church people to get to Jesus. Just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. Think about this. The very fact that the leper came is amazing. Remember, in Bible times, a leper was an outcast. A leper had to go outside of the camp. He had to leave his family. There were no FaceTime. There was no way to contact. You were, you were alienated and you could not be around non-lepers. So you were confined to a colony somewhere. And this living arrangement was there to protect people. 
Now you might not, you might think that this seems harsh, but this was God's way. God always has a purpose to do things. And he always has a spiritual principle or a spiritual lesson that he's teaching. Look at Leviticus when it was put into place in verse 45 through 46. It says, as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone dwelling outside of the camp. Now, he would tear his clothes as an act of mourning. Remember, when Jesus was brought before the kangaroo trial of the Sanhedrin, they tore their robes in disgust, in, in, in a way of mourning. This is what this was a, a picture of. But in society, we see no such thing anymore of mourning over sin. We don't see a disgust for sin. We don't see a mourning for sin. You see, sin causes alienation. It causes bondages. It causes people to be cut off and pushed into their darkness. And if by any chance a leper were to approach someone or see them coming in their direction, it was their responsibility to scream out unclean, unclean, so they could flee in an opposite direction. Jewish history says that no one could come closer than six feet to a leper. And if the wind was blowing, they would have to stay as far away as 150 feet. One rabbi said, when I see lepers, I throw stones at them lest they come near me. Another one said, I would not so much buy an egg from a place where a leper walked. Imagine the pain and the embarrassment this man must have felt. Imagine the years of finger pointing and remarks. And the seclusion, we've been through quarantine. Look at what it was like just living alone. That's why we see the fact that he even came to Jesus is amazing. This is faith in action. See, one day he heard that the man who can walk on water was coming through the town. And I wonder if he leaned over to his fellow lepers and said, do you think he can heal our disease? I'd imagine living in this devastating life, it must have caused some type of desire. Do you remember the time when you heard the name of Jesus? Or do you sit here numb tonight through worship or through the reading of his word? When was the last time the name of Jesus got you an eruption out of your soul, brought excitement to your, to your very soul? I can picture him running into his room, going into his closet, throwing on those dirty rags as he would push that, those, take those rags and put it on his body. Imagine the pain just that caused as he pushed that Middle Eastern sand deep into his skin. No doubt he began to think, how will I get to him? I, I, I have to find some off road. I cannot be in the presence of all of these people. I will have to scream unclean. Think of the embarrassment. Think about the ridicule. Think about him knowing I will be stoned and no doubt those rocks will kill me or hurt me. But nevertheless, he leaves his colony for Galilee. He would run through the streets, no doubt. Pain would be all over his body as he's moving through the streets. And imagine he sees the crowd and they're all hypochondriacs. I'm telling the story, so they're all hypochondriacs. 
because I would be a hypochondriac. Imagine the rage of the people. How dare this piece of trash come into our midst and get us sick? Not to mention, he's coming into God's presence. Who is the one that instituted these things in Numbers and Leviticus? But remember, the man had everything to lose, but everything to gain. You and I must come to a crossroads in our life and make a decision that we have everything to gain. Jesus is the pearl of great price. When you come to Jesus, you're trading dirt for diamonds. We need to know we will be rejected by our families, by our friends, but that's okay because we're accepted by Christ. That's the good news of the gospel. That is the news that we run to the streets with. We have good news for a leprous society. But I'm afraid that when people see us, they don't see the cure. Right? Maybe they see our leprous social media posts. You never know. I'm just saying. Just like leprosy is contagious, I feel the gospel working in our lives should be even more contagious. We are the salt of the earth. The salt that we walk around and that we give off should bring thirsty people to Christ. What's the life application? The leper came by faith, which is a a picture of everyone must make his or hers own journey to Christ. But for serve week, we get to bring Jesus to them. I want you to see that people are sick with sin, that people are sick in discouragement, that people are sick in worry, in doubt. It's time to wake up and see that the harvest is is plentiful, but the workers are few. We are in the last of the last days, and God wants to use you to shine his light to the world. This is a mandate from our Father to go beyond the walls into the communities and reach them for the gospel. I think we sometimes get sidetracked. We think church is just to come along to get along. We make church a religious uh, country club. and We sit in in a hot tub as religious fat cats. But that is not what the gospel intends us to do. We are to go out and make disciples. And I want to encourage you, this is not a suggestion. This is a command from our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what missions is. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Let me see your hand. Listen, we look at missions and we say, man, we go overseas. And missions is not glamorous. To go on a mission trip It is literally to empty yourself on foreign soil. And we need to do that here. Listen, when you go to missions on a community, many times you go and you you proclaim the gospel. You go door to door. You talk to people. You come inside their house. They offer you things that you would not eat. You see, when you go on a mission trip and you go on a foreign country, any organization that is worth its weight in salt, will tell you whatever those people bring you, you are to eat. I took a bunch of teenagers many times, and one of the places in Peru, I didn't go in this group, another group, another leader took this group, they went to the mountains, and guess what they had to eat? Guinea pig brain. I know. 
We had to eat a lot of rice. They had to eat guinea pig brain. But they were told, whatever you do, eat whatever is placed before you. Here's why. If you reject their, their delicacies, they don't want to hear anything you have to say. Now, I think about people being burned at the stake for the gospel, and yet we would not just want to put the, this food in our mouth lest we throw up, right? They had kids. I mean, we had to eat. We were eating their food. We were just making sure that we cleaned our plate. This is missions. I know some of you don't look impressed. You know, you go and you build churches. It's hot. You know, you, you go on these mission trips. You don't bathe for a week. I had to do that when I went to Israel. We slept on a roof and didn't bathe the entire week. I like to bathe. I like to be clean. It was very, very difficult. But for serve week, we just go out. You get to go home and bathe and eat. And you don't have to eat anything disgusting. Unless your wife cannot cook or your husband cannot cook. But I want to encourage you. That's how you have to look at serve week. It's an opportunity to devastate the kingdom of darkness. Number two, the leprous cry, Mark 140, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him. He said, if you are willing. I really got to get through this quickly. I want you to understand this was his cry. Everyone has a cry. When I was talking to this lady, she had a cry. She was asking that I pray for her son. When you come in contact with people, what is their cry? See, it's not just about doing things. It's about making verbal communication. You know, it's nice to hug people and to, you know, smile. But at some point, we need to present the gospel. At some point, we need to open our mouths and tell them about Jesus. See, many don't see the spots on their soul because they're in a place where everybody has spots. They don't recognize their raspy voice because everyone else around them has a raspy voice. But we should, when we go into the community, they should see that our spots are gone. They should want what we have. Look at this. He fell on his face, which means he prostrated himself before the Lord. This is a cry of humility. He says, if you're willing, listen, the sinfulness of man has no right to make demands on God. He's saying, if you are willing, he's humbling himself. We don't get to list the terms. We don't get to just go to God with all of our rights. We were bought with a price, right? Thank God, because the owner is a, is a wonderful master. He came submitting himself to the Lord. When you go to the doctor and you're sick, you submit yourself to what he says, to his expertise, to what he wants to do in your sickness. It's not some little cute catchphrase. It's a way of life. You know, there was an ordinance of rules that were against us. Look what it says in Colossians. And when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of death, debt consisting of the degrees against us, which was hostile towards us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. You see, we were one time outside in a leprous society. 
And everyone has to come to Christ on their own. Listen, God called you, you came to him, and he gave you the power to be his child. Those that are just kicking the tires of Christianity have no idea about the, 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 the certificate of debt that is against us. They have no idea of their sickness. Think about this. If you have cancer or someone that you know has cancer, you're sorting through the cures. You're listening to the medical journals. You're looking at all of the things that the doctor is telling you that you must take. But if you don't have cancer, you'll keep scrolling through till you get to the, the sports section. It's different when you know that you have the disease. You are all ears to the cure. But those that just kick the tires don't realize that they're sick. Do you understand that? This is the message that we must go to people with. Like we have to see them far more than they see themselves. And I'm not saying we go and condemn them, but you have to know that not everybody is okay. Not everybody is just doing their own thing with God. It's like Pastor Brandon said a while back, me and God are good. That's how people think. Like I can just do whatever I want. That me and God have our own thing going. Unless you get a revelation that we are sick, that we are contagious. That we come knowing that I cannot cure myself. There's nothing that I can do to be right with God except coming to Christ. That is the message that people must know. Look number three, the leper's declaration of faith. Matthew 8, 2. He says, you can make me clean. He's saying, you have the power, you have the authority, you can make me new, you can give me new life, you and only you can change my condition. The leper knew his condition because he could see his spots. You understand that in today's society, they're just looking at each other's spots, thinking, well, at least I have hands. My hands didn't fall off. Your odor doesn't smell like my odor. My odor is better. But it's just a harsh page of people's truth, right? They just, you come out of the truth and people just think, well, this is my truth, right? We see that all today. People have their own solutions. I don't want us to buy into that as a church. We need to see those around us as sheep who are lost and needing the shepherd. We need to see them as we go out to invite them into the fold. What's the life application? If you are not born again, you need to cry out to the Lord for salvation. And likewise, we need to live a life that is convincing to others that what we have is the cure. We have the opportunity to show them the shepherd. Our attitudes, our service should water their soil, their soul by meeting their needs. And it shows them that Jesus cares for them. Let's look at the Lord's response, point number four. Mark 1, verse 41, and moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. Just like that. He responds with deep compassion. Literally, Jesus feels empathy and sympathy towards the man. He had a desire to alleviate the pain. This is the definition of compassion. I want you to know tonight, 
Jesus is able to identify with every single weakness or worry that you have tonight. Outside of this place, Jesus is able to identify with everything that people are going through. What happens is we get so self-centered. We're just glad we're saved. We don't look at other people. We don't look at the fact that he commands us to go and make disciples. And that ought not be. This is evidence of lukewarmness. If we don't have a desire to go out and make disciples, reach the lost, something is wrong with our Christianity. You know, during our trials and tribulations, God is working compassion in you through that. When you deal with cancer, you want to talk to somebody that has cancer. When you deal with a loss, you're able to say, I understand. Let me come beside you and help you in your time of loss and grief. That is God working his grace in us in the midst of those situations. Listen, if you take care of the Lord's business, he will take care of your business. It says, then he stretched out his hand. Imagine how beautiful this is. This man with leprosy, every day his very presence made everybody walk away. He made everybody pull back. Everyone he ever walked up to walked away from him. The very sight of this man in their vicinity caused people to pick up their picnic basket and leave the park. But for the first time, someone reached out to him. You may reach out to someone that has never been reached out to. Listen, Jesus does the unthinkable. The Bible says he touched him. Now I want you to understand, in the Greek it means he gripped him tightly. Maybe he knew this was the longing of this man's heart to finally be touched by another human being. The Bible says that when he healed Peter's mother-in-law, it says he took her by the hand. When he healed Jairus' daughter, he took her by the hand. The Bible says he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. For the deaf man, he stuck his fingers in his ear. Jesus took the the demonized boy by the hand. Jesus could have easily just spoken a word over this man. But our God is an intimate God. In the Old Testament, he desired to be amongst us. In the garden, he walked with Adam and Eve. With Moses, he dwelt with them in the tabernacle. He personally guided the children of Israel with a cloud by day and a fire by night. With Solomon, he dwelt in the temple. In the manger, he dwelt with us for 33 and a half years. And when we pass on or the rapture of the church, we will go to be with him and dwell with him. And one day he is coming back and we will rule and reign in his presence. Our God is is a personal God. Our God is an embracing God. He wants to use you to embrace a hurting world. Are you up for the challenge? Jesus was saying, I don't fear disease to this leprous man. He's saying, I don't consider you an outcast. He was vouching for the man, for the disciples and the Pharisees to see. He's done the same with us. In Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, it says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, we, as we are, yet without sin. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Think about this. The very fact that Jesus would have touched him 
because he was a priest, spiritually speaking, would have made him unclean. So two possible things here. Either compassion healed him before he touched him, or the second point, I want you to think about this. When you pull up during a wreck, right, you have the red light that is on, and the police officer shows up to direct the traffic, even if the light is red, the officer can bring you through, right? So in other words, his presence overrides the written law. You must now, em- you must now embrace the, oh, the, the law keeper. In other words, the person who is standing in, pr- in proxy for the law is now the authority in that situation. Jesus has exercised his authority over sickness. So those two reasons, the man got healed. Mark 141, it says, I am willing, be cleansed. I want you to understand, Jesus said, I am willing in the presence tense, which means I am always willing. I am willing to heal. You need to understand whatever Jesus wills must happen. If Jesus wills for leprosy to be gone, it must be gone. If Jesus is willing for your bondage to be broken, the shackles must come off. If If the Lord is willing to bless you, open your windows now because the blessing is coming. If you, if Jesus is willing for you to be healed, get ready to be healed. If Jesus wants your marriage restored, it must be restored. Think about that. When Jesus wants the storm to stop, it must cease immediately. God has a will for your life. And if you're praying the will of God, not your will, the will of God, it must happen in your life. You can't miss it. It's like two trains coming at each other. Mark 1.42, and immediately the leprosy left him, and it was, he was cleansed. Mark uses the word immediately 41 times out of the 62 times in the New Testament. Mark liked that word. This man probably had this disease for many years. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she was healed instantly. It dried up. Just like when you surrender your life to Christ at 80 years old, instantly you are made a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are gone away. Nothing can be held against you in the court of Almighty God. Imagine this man as he looks down at his fingers and toes. Imagine as he smells his breath. His voice would be crystal clear. Maybe he can now sing like Nathan Sam. You see, when God saves you, every part of you, can be saved and healed. Your speech changes. His hair begin to grow back, grow back. You look differently. Your walk changes. You are no longer crippled. Things that have dried up in your life begin to flow again because God can restore relationships because he gives you a new heart, a new mind, a very new soul that you can operate in the things of God. His new, his will for, for your, for your life begins to flourish like water on a dry, parched land. That's the beauty of the gospel. And that's the gospel that we take to the streets with. All it takes is one touch from the master. Do you believe that? Am I talking to a, a live church? Come on, you need to know that. You need to get that deep down on the inside of you. Stop playing footsies with the devil and say, well, I just don't know if the promises of God apply to me. Yes and amen. Every promise applies to you and I. Look what it says. This is the mandate in Hebrews 13, 10 through 17. I want you to see this. 
We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin. And the bodies of the animals were burned outside of the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come, and that could be soon and very soon. I, that's not the verse. I'm just giving you some commentary on the verse. Verse 15, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Look what it says. And do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Listen, I know that serving is a sacrifice, but that pleases God. Then it says, obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Help us, Lord. And most of you do. Help. And it's joyful. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Listen, very simple. We have something better than a Levitical system. We have a fulfilled system. We have something better than a Levitical altar. We have the cross of Christ. He's saying, my God wants you to go outside and bring people in. Remember, Jesus died outside the camp. Listen, Jesus loves the fact that the church gets together. And he wants to empower us. He wants to equip us. But he wants us to go outside. Jesus died, so those words, unclean, unclean, would never have to be mentioned again. Jesus was saying, I'm willing to be cut off so they can be brought in. God would hide his face so he could look at a leprous society. Here's the point. You and I were made clean so we can go out and outside the camp, so to speak, and give the good news, the antidote to those that are sick like we were. Look what it says in Mark 1, 43 through 45. And he sternly warned him, and he immediately sent him away. And he said to him, this is what Jesus is telling the leper, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely. And spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. His first act was disobedience. <laughs> but that's zealousness. But stay, but it says no longer could publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere. So it's possible that Jesus did not want him to go out and start telling people. Because if it got back to the priests... They would try to discredit that cleansing because they would have probably said, hey, we don't want any, any credence to go to Jesus. So he was trying to keep him quiet. But I look at that as he was excited to share. And that's an indictment on complacency. Are we excited to share the gospel? You need to ask that yourself to your own heart. And you know where you are. And it's easy to get into complacency. All you got to do is do nothing. Think about this. Look at the compassion that Jesus has. 
I want you to see when you are converted, it should give you such a desire to give people what you now have. And there's no expiration date. We should steadily, steadily be excited. We should steadily have that desire. But the problem is we think that, you know, God is love and he is love and that some kind of way he's just going to, you know, just wipe away everything and save everybody. That's not going to happen. That's a demonic belief called universalism. You must come to Christ. Every single person on this, in this world must come to Christ. Buddha cannot save you. Muhammad cannot save you. No, secular humanism cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ. It's a narrow-minded thought, but we go through a narrow gate and we walk on a narrow way. And we must know this. That's why it's so important to go into all the world. Could you imagine the leper just saying, oh, thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. But I'm not going to do anything you ask. Jesus, you really don't expect me to, to get in the game. I mean, I need some time. I need to go through next steps. No, what was in his heart, the, 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 the immediately when he got healed, he was like, I got to tell people. He was so excited that now his, he didn't have to worry about his fingers falling off. He could talk to someone without having to use bubble gum. <laughs> I can only believe that the leper was delighted to do whatever the Lord asked him. How much more should you and I be? Jesus is asking us to go into all the world and love on people. So we have a mandate, an assignment as a church, and we are asking you, as your spiritual leaders, help us. Please get involved. We have a variety of things for you to do. I want you to simply ask yourself, self, would Jesus want me to get involved? And I'm going to wait for the answer. And if Jesus tells you no, you can come talk to us after. But we have such a variety of things to do. We're going into nursing homes. We're, we're, Pastor Rob is over maintenance. We're going to be in the pregnancy center. I mean, I'm over pressure washing and lawn care. Many of us could do these things. But listen, it's not about the task. These are just the vehicles to get you to talk to people. And it's a way to shake us up, to get us out of our selfish ways. Right? We all have that, don't we? I'm trying to recalibrate us. I want you to look at the options, and I want you to see about where the Lord would want you to get involved and do what he's asked you to do. We cannot do this without your help. We are the church of the living God. We are in the last of the last days. I don't know if you really understand how close we are to the Lord's return. I mean, these prophecies are taking place every single day, and we don't have much time left. I want that urgency in your soul. I cannot give you that urgency. It must come from Jesus Christ himself. Paul would write throughout the New Testament that, he, that these things are coming. Peter would warn. Jesus would warn. 
And he, they were warning way back then. Now we're seeing these things unfold. Amen? Now listen. I want to close with this. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to see and, and do some self-examination in your own life. Have you received the cure, which is Jesus Christ? I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying that you don't love church or you don't like the things of God. I'm asking, have you submitted yourself to his lordship? And I want to give you an opportunity. And I know this is Wednesday night. A lot, a lot of times this is the, the, the you, you know, the uh, a church filled with saved people. But by any chance, if you have come in tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. So I want you to lift your hands with every head bowed. I just want some privacy. I see your hand. Praise God. Your eternity is changed. I see your hand. Praise God. God is converting people. I see your hand. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Let's pray as a family. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I repent. I ask you to wash me clean of all of my sin. I receive the free gift of pardon. You died on the cross in my place and you rose from the grave on the third day. Jesus, you are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Come on, give them a round of applause. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, if you made that decision for the first time, there's a connection card in front of you. We want you to fill it out and bring it to the info center. We have a gift for you, and we want to pray for you. Those that are still here, I just want to pray for God to infuse that desire to serve him in whatever capacity he's called. Come on, sometimes we just need a shot in the arm, right? We need a dose of reality. Father, I come in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that this message has spoke to your people. Father, I pray that they would get involved in whichever way that you would call them to get involved. Father, I pray that their eyes would be open to those that are around them. God, I pray for an urgency in their soul to see people as you see them. God, I pray that you would enrage compassion and empathy on the inside of them. And God, that you would move, that their eyes would see that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Father, I pray that none of us would shuck our responsibility, but Lord, we would all get in the game and we would finish strong. In the name of above all names, the name of the master, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself. And the church said, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise in the house. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, listen, we love you. We'll be up here if you need prayer for anything. You have a blessed night.